Thanks for listening to this sermon from River of Life Alliance Church. We hope the Holy Spirit uses it to point you toward Jesus. If you call River of Life home, we'd encourage you to join a journey group where you can unpack our sermons with a group of people who want to get to know you, who will care for you, read the Bible with you, pray over you, and serve alongside you. We just got done a series of tackling hard-to-answer questions, right? We spent a couple months on that, and that was great. I, I pray that that was a great learning time for you guys and just a trusting time for you guys. Uh, and next week, I think Brian announced it already, that we're going into a, a series on the Apostle Peter, talking about discipleship and what that looks like to take an order, ordinary men and women such as ourselves, and God makes us extraordinary because of his spirit that lives in us and the discipleship process that God has in our lives. But we got this random Sunday in between, so Brian threw me and said, hey, do whatever you want. And I said, are you sure you want me to do whatever I want? Because you might regret that. I'm just kidding. No, it was fun to be able to just pray, Lord, what is it that we as your sheep need to hear this morning as we're in between, you know, sermon series and what can we just share that we can just take a a big deep breath of fresh air and see what you're doing, Lord, in our lives. So let's turn to Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38 this morning. A well-known passage a well-known place where we see the heart of Jesus and we see ultimately what his ministry, if, if you were to take, at least in my opinion, if you were to take one uh, passage out of the New Testament and say, this is what Jesus is about, I would say this passage comes pretty close to that. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 through 38. It reads this, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, and as he says this, as he is sharing this with his, with his followers, he says to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. But the laborers are few. Therefore, because the harvest is plentiful, and yet the laborers are few, guys and gals, he says this, Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Question, as we read this passage, and I'm sure we've read it a thousand times, but question, When Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, is he referring to the Kindred Valley over over yonder hill where all the grapes and the harvest of the vineyards are coming or or those other orchards there that, that, that produce crop in season? Is he talking about that harvest? Okay, just making sure you're awake. No, of course not. You know, but some here this morning might not quite understand what he's talking about here. Jesus is referring to people, real people, who are presently lost in their sin, lost in trying to find life in all the wrong places, people who are presently lost, yet are now being ready, they're being readied, if you will, to hear and to receive the gospel, if they could only just hear. 
people who are lost is what he's referring to. In Jesus' day, and as he's saying this, the, labor, uh, the laborers are few and the harvest is plentiful, guys, people would have understood very clearly his reference to the harvest, to the literal harvest, to the crops. Much of their culture in this day revolved around agriculture and harvesting of these crops. In fact, many of the traditional Jewish customs and, and sacrifices and celebrations of God's provision to, these, to the Jewish people revolved around the time and season of the harvest. It was a big theme in that day. Now, for us here in the Grand Valley, more than many cities around the world, we kind of understand this agricultural culture as well, which is, I think is awesome. How many of us enjoy as May, June, July, August come around and we get to enjoy the good crop of the harvest and fruits and veggies around the valley? Show of hands. People that don't have your hands up, you're lying. (laughs) So ask the Lord for forgiveness or you're just lazy, okay? Now, when I ask questions, I expect you guys to kind of like participate with me, okay? I'm not just up here just yakking. I want you guys to be hearing and and doing this with me. We're, We're on this journey together today. So I wanted to kind of do this because I'm, I'm, I'm really curious. What are some of your favorite fruits and veggies? And go ahead, just start shouting them out. What's your favorite fruit or veggie? Shout them out. Pineapple. Are they grown in the valley? Dude, Josh, they're not grown here, man. That are gro- I'm sorry, I didn't say that. Who, that are grown in the valley. So try it again. Grown in the valley. Peaches, cherries, tomatoes, plums. Okay, that's enough. Now, by show of hands, I'm curious what our favorite in River of Life Alliance Church is. Let's, let's just say out of cherries, plums, and not pineapples, uh, cherries, plums, uh, tomatoes, and peaches. Okay, out of those four, by show of hands, what are our favorite? So who's, who's cherry fan? Favorite cherry? Ah, a few. Okay, favorite tomatoes? Ooh, maybe a little more. What was my other one? Plums. Plums? Any plum fans? Okay, maybe a few. How about peaches? I knew that would go. I, I knew it. I knew that would be the seller this morning. Anyways, question in this, okay, as we're thinking about Grand Junction and the farmer's markets and stuff. So as we go down in the farmer market, and our, our family does it every year, or we go pick things in the orchard, as we're getting those harvest fruits or vegetables, As we're paying for those, and maybe some of us do think of this, but many of us don't think that, do we realize how much work the farmers had to go through to produce that peach to be so juicy and plump? Or that that tomato to grow just right and to taste just like it does? Do we realize how much work and strategy and consistency went into that farm operation all year long so that that harvest would be produced. I want us to see something brief as we look into this passage. Look back to verse 37. So Jesus, in explaining about these people that are harassed like sheep, he says to his disciples, he says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord, the Lord of the harvest, to send out laborers into Whose harvest? His harvest. I don't want us to miss this this morning, that God, God the Father, 
is the owner of this harvest. He is the farmer. He's the harvester. He is the, the one that is doing. He is working. He is cultivating. He's, he's digging soil. He is doing things. He's running irrigation lines. He, he is, he's pruning the old trees and the old ones that aren't producing. And he's doing this work. It's the Father's har- harvest. It's God's harvest. And he is working. One of the most profound statements that Jesus makes about God the Father is in John five seventeen, where he says this. Jesus says, my father is working. He's, he's been working until now, and now I am working. Beautiful words. What Jesus is saying there, and he's saying this to the scribes and Pharisees of the day, and I won't get into the whole story, but they were, they were wrestling over the Sabbath and what's, what's good to be done on the Sabbath, what's work considered. And Jesus says, guys, my father's working. He's been working from eternity past. My, my father worked as he, as he created the world with his voice. He spoke and the world came into existence. My father's been working through the, the prophets and the kings and all that era as Israel was going back and forth and in their worship of God and their worship of idols and God was working through them. God was working as he sent Jesus and as Jesus, as God said, yes, I will go. I will die for the sins of the world. I will take all of their sin for God so loved the world and he worked and he, and he came. Jesus came, lived 33 years, lived a perfect life and he died for the sins of the world, and he he rose again. God was working. He rose Jesus from the dead, and and now Jesus ascends into heaven, and and God continued to work, right? He sends his Holy Spirit to fill the church, and now here we are 2,000 years later, and we're still being filled by the same Holy Spirit. We're still being commissioned by Jesus, and we're still seeing God work today. And this is the joy of his kingdom of his harvest coming and laboring with him for his harvest. The Lord Jesus is still working. Important question for us to consider as we think about this is how. If we understand, and I see you guys all nodding, you're agreeing, God is working, yes. But how does God work for the Father's harvest today? How does Jesus do his work? In what way does he, does Jesus incarnate himself and show himself into the world? And again, as you kind of think of that in your own mind, I think we all hopefully can understand that Jesus works through us. Now, he doesn't need us, but he has chosen in his sovereignty to, to rise up the church, this, this organism that is filled by his spirit to work through the church, through us, we being his body, right? Paul talks about the church being Christ's body, each joint and ligament doing their own thing as they continue to build each other up in love that the world will come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior and King. Jesus works through us. Paul says, in Galatians 2.20, for I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In this life that I'm now living by faith, I'm living this life in the flesh by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. But notice that it's his life, Jesus' life is alive and well in us. 
and it's him that is working and doing the work if and as we yield to him. Jesus is still working. Today in our scripture, we're going to see and unpack three ways that Jesus worked. Just pretty simple. But I think three ways that overarch all of what Jesus is trying to do in and through us, his church today. Number one, we'll see that he went to lost people. Number two, we'll see that he saw, as we heard from Noel this morning, he saw into lost people. And number three, that he prayed for laborers. Let's dig in this morning. Look back to verse 35. It says, And Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. Don't miss the simplicity here. In verse 35, those first three words, And Jesus went. And Jesus went. Jesus went to lost people. Don't miss that. He went to the lost people. He purposely engaged with these lost people. As he went to them, he engaged with them. He strategically placed himself where lost people would be. He's not off out in some, you know, and sometimes he would teach on the mountainside and stuff. I get that too, but he was going to where people were. Noel talked about the woman at the well. He went to that well because he knew that she was going to be going there to get water. He went to her that was in need. Now, I want to be careful here, but I, I want to be careful how I say this. But notice here that we do not read... This, we don't read, and Jesus went and set up a big tent on the corner of town and recruited Peter, James, and John as a worship band and taught Thomas and Matthew how to deliver powerful sermons and gathered Mary, Martha, and Lazarus to be a a sweet eye connect ministry and to be greeting people and welcoming people and then established a Sunday morning service and then from that place, Jesus was beckoning people, the lost people to come, come to the service and hear about my gospel. Come and hear I wanted to be careful saying that because you're like, well, that's exactly what we're doing here, Matt, right? This, I mean, we're, we're gathered here this morning, right? Well, well hear my heart. And, and before I get bad emails this week, hear this. I am not saying that gathering together as believers, such as what we're doing right now, isn't important. I know this is very important. I love gathering together every week. I love it. I would do it more often if we could. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, let us consider how to stir one or another up in love and good works. This is a good thing we're doing, not neglecting to meet together as the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the, d- the day when Jesus returns drawing near. We, we need this. I need to be reminded every Sunday, every week, through worship songs, through teaching of the word, through fellowshipping with you guys, my family, I need to be reminded that Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. And when I get off in my mind at different areas thinking, oh, this is life, or this is life, we need reminders. So I'm not saying gathering together isn't good, but what I am saying is that 
if all we're doing is gathering and having this big holy huddle all the time and all we're doing during the week is gathering in our journey groups and just having a holy huddle there and all, we're, all of our interactions is always with just with people who, who know Jesus already and, and, and we're never with lost people, what I'm saying is that we are missing a huge part of Jesus' amazing invitation for us to join him as he reaches out to lost people in the harvest. Story after story in the Gospels, we see Jesus going to people who needed to know him. He'd engage them. He'd go and eat in their house. He'd show up at their weddings. He'd show up, as we, as we heard the woman at the well, he'd show up at their wells. He would go and meet them at their tax booths in the marketplace. Jesus went to people. Don't miss the simplicity of it. Practically, as we think about this, question, what does it look like for us to allow Jesus to live in and through us as we go to people and engage in lost people's lives? What does it look like? There's not one answer or just a one-size-fits-all kind of a thing. And the cool thing here that this isn't rocket science. There's not a big old doctrine statement of this is what you got to do and this is what it looks like. But it's basically pretty simple. What we can do is just intentionally engage with lost people who are already in our everyday lives. We don't need to add new events. We don't need to add new programs. We don't need to add new things that we got to like, oh, we got to go do this and do that. To, to No, 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 no. Just intentionally open your eyes to who's around you at your job. Open your eyes. Who's around you in your neighborhood? Open your eyes. When you're at the grocery store, maybe you, you check out at a, at, at a normal grocery store hour and you see the same cashiers. Or you see, see the same workers at City Market. Maybe you have a regular Starbucks that you go to. Maybe they maybe they even know your name and your drink. Are you that, that, that person, right? Oh, Matt's here. Get him his whatever drink. That's not coffee, by the way. That's like sugar in a cup. Anyways, look, look at your kids' teachers at, at school and the parents of, of their friends that they're meeting at school different sports teams that maybe your kids or yourselves are involved in and their families and coaches. And maybe, maybe, you got, maybe you're into mountain biking. You've got mountain bike buddies. I'm sure you do. Skiing buddies, employees and workers at your local gym. Whatever it is that we do, we do things that we're rubbing shoulders with people who need to know Jesus. Are we engaging with them? Are we going to them? We all have lost people that we see all week long. What could it look like to actually engage with them, to hear what's going on in their lives instead of just passing by? Think of the days, the weeks, the months, the years that you may know folks in your lives that you have never engaged Secondly, this morning, as we look at this passage, not only did Jesus go to people and engage with them, Jesus went to lost people, but he also saw into lost people. 
He didn't just engage with them and, uh, oh, wow, so this is going on in your life? Okay, cool. Have a good day. Never talk to you again. No, he, he would engage with them, and he would continue that relationship. He would continue getting to know what's going on. And, and, and through that, what do we read? That he had compassion for them. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. He heard their struggles. He saw their pain. He felt their despair. He was deeply, Jesus was deeply aware of people's lostness. And he didn't judge them for it. He didn't say, hey, you got to shape up. You gotta, you're, you're going after all the wrong things in life. He didn't say that. He was moved to compassion because, guys, man, he, this person is blind to the truth. My heart breaks for this person in need. Does our heart break for people or are we just judging them? And are we upset that they're making our lives a little tougher to deal with what they're doing in life? Jesus healed the diseased. Jesus touched, he touched the leper. Jesus forgave the prostitute. He befriended the tax collector. Jesus raised the dead. He calmed the storm. He fed the 5,000. He strengthened the weak. He gave sight to the blind. He restored joy to the sorrowful. And he brought hope to the helpless. And he offered rest to the weary. Do we serve people in need? As we have compassion for them, as we sense they have needs, do we move toward them and offer serving them? Are we allowing... See, the the thing is, is that Jesus, as he's doing all this in his earthly ministry... And as we know, he died, he rose again, he ascended to heaven, he sent his Holy Spirit, the helper, the counselor, the one that was going to bring truth to us and empower us, the spirit of Jesus. Jesus is reigning in heaven. He's sitting at the Father's right hand right now, but he is working through you and through me. And, and we can expect that the very things that Jesus... Um, that, that moved him to compassion then when he was physically here on earth are the same things that would move him to compassion today through you and through me. We can expect that. Are we allowing Jesus to live in and through us as we're seeing needs in the community, seeing needs in our neighbors, seeing needs in our coworkers, seeing needs at the folks at the gym? Fill in the blank for you. As we see needs... And needs are very messy, are they not? Needs are very messy and they are hard to deal with sometimes. But that doesn't change that Jesus is having compassion, deep compassion for whoever may be in your life that he wants to reach through you too. He desires to to serve these folks so that they might know his love and receive him as we have. Question, I always love to ask questions because I've asked these questions to myself, so I want to, you know, join, let you guys join in the fun of asking these for yourselves. Are we allowing Jesus to work through us in having compassion for folks around us?
When's the last time that your heart broke for somebody who was lost and desperate and, and in need of grace? And if your answer this morning is, gosh, I can't remember the last time my heart broke for that. That's okay. You know what? Because your heart doesn't have to break for it. Jesus' heart breaks for it. And you can ask Jesus, hey, Jesus, guide my heart to become more and more like your heart. I want your heart to be produced in my life, Jesus. I know I can't, I don't have this in my own, my ownness <laughs> to do this myself. But Jesus, you can do this. So fill me with your presence so that I can do what I know is, will bring me life and bring this person life and ultimately bring you glory, Jesus. You don't have to have the strength or energy or, or know-how to how to do it. Ask him to. Ask him to. That's the coolness of the gospel is that we have a Savior who can live in and through us. Not only it's not I who live, Paul says, but it's Christ who lives in me. He's got grace. He's got compassion for people. If you don't, well, ask him to conform you to his heart. Ask him to live in and through you more. You know, a quick story here. Um, as these things have, have gone in and out of my mind the last several years, really, um, I'm reminded of one time me and my family were up on the Mesa, and we were out there to go fishing and just to have a fun, I think it was a Sunday afternoon, maybe, I, I don't know, Saturday or Sunday afternoon. And we were out there and, you know, fishing with kids. You know how fun that can be. Uh, you know, you got, you got three little tykes out there and their lines are crossing and they're, you know, maybe catching a fish, but then Lydia falls into the water. You're like, oh gosh, you know, and it's just a mess. And it's just kind of, it's like, ah, you know, and at the time I was dealing with some of my Crohn's disease sickness. So it was just like, ah, I was so tired. And I was like, oh my goodness. Well, all of a sudden, you know, I'm in that state, right? And this guy comes near us or something, and he had a, um, an oxygen tank and, you know, on wheels, and he was just kind of, you, you could tell he was just kind of like an older guy that just, you could just tell he was struggling. And, and, I, and I saw him, and, and, I, and I felt in that moment, even though in myself I was, I was over here, you know, I was, I was, you know, mad at my kids and all this stuff, all of a sudden Jesus in me said, hey, look at this guy. And I, and I felt this compassion well up in me. And I know it wasn't for me. So I knew, I, I, all credit to, to Jesus. Jesus was having compassion for this man. And, and I, I, I was deeply moved to, and I didn't even know to do what, but to, I'm going to go talk to this guy because I, I just feel like I have to. You ever felt that? That sense of the Holy Spirit just pressing something on you. So praise God, and I don't do this all the time, believe me. Um, just 99% of the time. Just kidding. Just, just kidding. Why do things come out of my mouth? I don't know. But this particular time I chose, okay, God, I want to follow you in this. What, what, what are you doing here? This is, this is interesting. So I went up to this guy. I forget his name, but I asked him his name. What, what's going on? Da, da, da. You know, we talked about things. We, I, we was engaging in his life. And he was talking about how he has this rare disease something going on with his blood that he has to have this oxygen and the doctors don't know what to do. And, and I was able to share with him my story of my struggles and my health. And we, we kind of just talked about kind of the woes of physical health. And the Lord was leading me as I was talking with this guy. I didn't know if he was a believer, but sometimes you have that sense. And I was like, I don't think this guy knows Jesus. And so I'm just like, I'm like, Lord, I know this is like, I don't know this guy from Adam. 
but you love him, you're, you're leading this, so okay, I'm just gonna let you lead this conversation. So as we kept talking, I just started to share with him how in my sickness, like the Lord has met me and that his grace has been sufficient for me, his power has been made perfect in my weakness and, and that Jesus ultimately I'm looking forward to, like I know he can heal today, but even if he doesn't today, that I have a new body waiting for me in heaven and the hope that I have uh, for eternity future with a new body and da 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 and so I'm, you know, I'm just kind of chatting about this and he's just kind of <laughs> not saying anything. Um, but that was okay. And I asked him, I just felt led, I said, can I just pray for you? I, I said, I, I think Jesus would love to, to heal you if that would be his will for your life. He loves you. Um, do you mind if I would just pray for you? And he was like, you know, sure. I have never had somebody say no. I have never had somebody say no when I've asked them, can I pray for you? Now I get odd looks. I get, I get husband and wife kind of looking at each other and, you know, our neighbors just had a new baby and, I, and uh, before they had the baby, me and my wife would go over there and just help. It's their first kid, so they're all, you know, trying to get everything together. And, and I asked them just out of the blue, you know, like, hey, can I pray for you? Or for, for you and, and your baby for a healthy delivery? And they looked at each other. Sure, you know. And, uh, but I've never had anyone say no. Um, so I prayed for this guy and, and, you know, lightning didn't come out of heaven or anything. The guy didn't heal and rip off his oxygen tank and start leaping around. I, I was praying for that. Like, I would have I taken that. That would have been awesome. And God could have done that. But I could tell that in his spirit, something was moving. Like, God was ministering to him through, through me. Now, and I don't know his story. Maybe someday he'll heal this sermon or something. Who knows what God has used that for? But the point is, Jesus saw into him. And in those times when we're led by Jesus and his, his leading of his spirit, are we allowing Jesus to use us when he wants to? He is alive and well. Back into our scripture Verse 35 again, and so Jesus went throughout all the cities, all the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, healing every disease and every affliction. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. They were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then we come to verse 37 again. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Finally, this morning, we see Jesus prayed for laborers to be raised up. Laborers who would sense God's leading in certain portions of the day, sense different conversations to maybe be had with different neighbors as we see them, and Jesus invites us to join him in earnestly praying that he might raise up laborers to reach lost people. We have a tradition in our, in our district. We, we, we heard about the church planning movement in our district and what God's doing in the, the alliance. And uh, Mark mentioned, yeah, our church is, is launching out in a church plan. I'm going with it. It's going to be fun. And uh, God's called us to that. And so we're, we're excited about that. But in our district, 
we, in the last, gosh, it's probably been four years, five years, um, we've been doing this thing that, that encourages and promotes us as pastors to be praying for laborers called 1002 Prayer. 1002 a.m. every day, except for Sundays. I don't have it on Sundays because I'm usually doing music or something and my phone doesn't want to go off in the middle of service. But at 10.02 every day, we and all, many other pastors and elders in our district and even a lot of our elders here at this church have an alarm set for 10.02. When that alarm goes off, it reminds us to pray for the laborers to be raised up for different needs at our church, for different needs around the world, for laborers to be raised up to work for the harvest. Now, 10.02 stands for Luke chapter 10, verse 2, which is a exact parallel passage to what we've been looking at here in verse 37 and 38. It says this, basically the same thing just in Luke's observation of Jesus saying it. What we've seen in our district as, you know, several years ago, we decided we're, we're going to just start doing this as, as a district and we're going to start praying for this. We have seen God raise up new church plants that have now reproduced other church plants that have reproduced and other church plants that like four, four or five generation of church plants that are multiplying out into other church plants. It's been awesome seeing God do a work. Now, not only have we seen that, But we've also seen, and I personally can speak to this, we've seen a change in our own hearts as we've prayed for laborers. We can't help, but I think God just uses that prayer to shape us, mold us, to be willing to be laborers even more fully in his harvest and for his kingdom. God has used that time at 10.02 to shape us, to transform us, to mold our hearts to beat as Jesus' heart beats. I'd invite us all this morning. Now, I'm not going to require it, but I'd invite you. If you've got a smartphone, if you've got a phone that you always have on your pocket, or if, if you bring a weird alarm clock or something to work, I don't know, maybe you do. I know, I'm just kidding. Put, put, put an alarm on your computer or something and join us. 10.02, join us. The elders do it. Me and Brian do it. Um, and uh, it'd be fun for our church to continue praying this together. Lord, raise up laborers. And I, and I promise you, as you pray for God to raise up laborers, your heart will change, and you'll be reminded yourself, Lord, help me be a laborer as well. God, help me to engage with people. Help me to have compassion on people as we pray for workers to be raised up. If we're going to be men and women who take what, what the Lord is speaking this morning and, and desire to go to people, engage with lost people, if we desire to be men and women who, who want to have compassion on people, who want to see into their story, into their lives, and to see the needs and to serve those needs as we allow Jesus to live in and through us, it, it needs to start with prayer. Because we don't, we don't have the strength, we don't have the hearts to do that. We don't have the willpower. We, we honestly sometimes just don't want to do that in our humanity. Don't raise your hands, but if I were to ask you this morning, do you really want to be a laborer in the harvest that God is doing? Some days, an honest answer is no, I 
don't want to do that. I want to live my own life. I want to do my own thing. But Jesus said, as he walked on in his ministry on earth, he said, for those who want to find life will lose it. He said, hey, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me, and you will find beautiful life and peace and joy. Maybe we don't understand, you know, what God's actually up to. Like, it is for other people. As we live for the harvest, it is absolutely for other people. But, but know that you will, be, you will have joy and real joy in real life as you allow these things to be produced and to be growing and to be just willing to be on board. Lord, I'm willing. I'm going to start praying this thing. I'm kind of scared to. Because I'm scared to just give my life up. But it's not giving your life up. It's just you're finding it. You're finding life. May we start on our knees. May we yield this morning. May we yield to the deep work that God desires to do both in us and through us. I want us to remember this morning we do not work for God in this we are really working from him. And there's a big difference in that statement. We don't work. We're not going to go out here, you know, this afternoon and, and, and press into people's lives this week. And I pray we do, but we're not going to go do that for God. Like we have to do this for him. I got to do this. I got to grind. I got to work. No, Jesus says, abide in me and I in you. And just like the branch that bears fruit, it, you know, the branch isn't struggling. The branch isn't like, oh, I got to produce fruit. I got to do this. Oh. No, he, the branch abides in the vine, and the vine gives the life-flowing sap into the branch, and it just flows through the branch, and the fruit comes. So we, we, can, can we just rest in the Lord as we do this? As we allow Jesus to live in and through us, can we rest in the joy of him reaching people through us this afternoon and into this week? May we work from God, not for him. I'd like to invite the worship team back up this morning. We're going to close in song. It's clear, and I, and I pray that, that we understand this. Jesus is absolutely working. Jesus is tilling the soil of people's hearts. Jesus is planting new peach trees, so to speak. Jesus is watering new little saplings of faith. Jesus is, is pruning and clipping off the dead branches of people's lives, and he wants to use us as we labor in his harvest. He's doing the work, but he's chosen to invite us and to include us in his kingdom coming. I pray that can be a joy for us to join him as his life is truly appropriated in us and through us. The harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Let's sing this last song. And as we do, I pray that you do business with with Jesus this morning. You could be here and, and God could be leading you to step out in different ways, in different comfort zones that you've built around your life. Maybe he's calling you to step out of that, to engage people, to have compassion, to serve the needs around you. Maybe you're here this morning and you're listening to this and you're, you're, you're hearing different things of 
Jesus has life for you. Jesus has died for you. Maybe you've never come to a place where you've, maybe you're here and you're, you're, you're part of what God's doing. You're, maybe you're a harvest here. Maybe God's harvesting your heart. Maybe he wants to reach you this morning. Well, during this last song, I encourage you, wrestle with Jesus. He wants to save you. He wants you to know him as your Lord and Savior. You can just pray to him something simple. Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I, I know I need you. I know I'm looking at, for life in all the wrong places. Not, none of this is working out for me. Jesus, I look to you. Would you be my Savior? Would you be my King? Just pray something simple like that. Lord, I pray that as we respond to you this morning in song, God, that we would be just willing to yield our lives to you, God. God, we we invite you to do a deep work in us, Lord, as we sing this last song.